0: Welcome to the Crash the Pond podcast. It is a Tuesday, October 18th edition of the show. And Jake, we've got a lot to talk about today. This is kind of a this is one of those episodes where the script kind of writes itself. How do you feel about that? It's very
1: uh, new. It's a weird feeling after going an entire off season with essentially we're making stuff up, figuring out what we're going to talk about. And just kind of flying off the seat of our pants, basically. Um, and so now we actually have games to talk about. And I mean, sure, but they they happened. Let's go with that. As uh, DB Lowry thirty uh, five zero seven said, uh, "Ducks country, let's cry."
0: Yeah, my uh, my duck's country let's fly, which is taking the world by storm, really. Not just the ducks world, but the world as a whole by
1: your, storm. Your your thing. By the way, also wanna wanna say we are live on YouTube right now in addition to Twitch. This is a new thing, new screen, yeah. new everything. Uh trying a new new thing here. So we'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah, no, totally. Um we'll we'll see how that what kind of flavor that can add. Should we though, first and foremost, make an apology? formal apology to Jakob Solerberg. Should we do that cuz he scored two goals against the Devils Monday or Tuesday night, sorry. And you know, we had kind of written him off as a as a community as a podcast. I mean, are, I I certainly didn't,
1: but are you know. are you are you uh are you trying to uh base ba- an enti- basing an entire season off of a single game? Is that what you're doing? So, I guess
0: that's a perfect way to introduce what I what I mostly want to talk about today which is that the Ducks season, Jake, by my count, is four games old. Four games is a tiny sample. Feels like it's been forever already. Right. It's a tiny sample, and not only is it tiny, but it's, it's tiny at any point in the season, right? Four, four out of 82 is a small percentage no matter what. But the difference is that because we haven't had any new games, we haven't seen anything of this team in the last however many months, Reactions have been strong. Let's just put it that way. Reactions have been bold and loud. Already seeing Connor Bedard uh tweets right in, in the replies saying that the, the ducks are this a lost season, that nothing's working. And I think that before we get into anything today, we should just really kind of hammer home the point that good or bad, this is a small sample and we just need to be cautious with how much we really take away from these games.
1: Yeah, and I mean, sample size is king. And, and I know it's our, uh, our our Discord chat's joke almost at this point in time with, with uh, sample size and everything like that. Right. But, I mean, it, it's so true. We're talking about four games. And you look at all these games, and while the results have not been good and there's a lot of things that need to be worked on, if the Ducks have four more good games, that instantly erases this. And that's not that much. That's a, That's one good week. It's all that all that takes. And, And so that that's, I think, the key thing here. And I think one thing to understand is we'll probably have a lot of takes that that are going to be about these last four games, different things like that. But the thing is, because it's only been four games, it's actually pretty easily correctable. Both, both from the players and from the teams, and just because the results from these four games have not been good, that doesn't necessarily mean that the entirety of the season is going to be that. These are fixable, correctable mistakes, uh, and, and I think that uh, it's going to be really interesting to dive in as we kind of get into the games and go through everything.
0: Right, and I and I think that the the goal of today's podcast isn't so much to to go over every single game and to. You know, like like we were just saying, get some big big takeaways out of it. It's just to identify trends. It's to identify things that maybe are working, maybe things that are not working. I think right now, just again, judging from mostly replies uh, on Twitter, which maybe is not the best metric. I think that I think that a, a kind of level-headed approach, a level-headed uh, just discussion might benefit a lot of people. And I, and I get it like you're you wait all these months to watch a team play. You, you read all the previews, you listen to all the podcasts, you, you, you talk about it with friends. And once it finally starts, you're just ready to unleash the takes onto it. You're ready to to draw conclusions. And the reality is that it, it's just not it's not time for that yet. And you would never say that at any point in the season in four games. Now, here's my thing. We're not just saying this because we want to to hand wave what's happened for the Ducks in in terms of the negative. We'll get into that. And and yeah, there are some things that are concerning, but this also applies. We would be saying the same thing if they had just, you know, dominated four games in a row. It's still a small sample and the knife cuts both ways in that respect.
1: Yeah, and I think that that was how it was last year, if I'm remembering. I they, start, they started out well. Like, they started off playing really well in the 5-on-5 numbers. I'm actually kind of curious to take a quick look in at four that. four games? Yeah, but <laughs> I'm pretty positive that, like, last season started off on a really good note. And I'm pretty sure we said the same thing of, uh, we need to see this kind of against, I mean, first off, I think it was like they played some pretty weak teams to start. So it was wanting to see it against some some better teams, different things like that. But, I mean, on the flip side, right, with, with that, we're wanting to see it against better teams back then. Now, the Ducks are actually put in a situation where they're going on an East Coast road trip to start the season. and That's not going to be easy when you have new players that are meshing. You're not getting your morning skates in 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 your normal fashion. Your entire you're having to adjust just to a different time zone and not trying to make excuses because every single team goes through it. But those are all the different factors, I think, that go into this first four games. And you can just definitely say it's a small sample size and they're easily correctable mistakes. Right. And, and
0: so and I, I do see people saying in our chat that, hey, you know, it's it's four games on top of three full seasons that we've seen of this team, of this coaching staff, things of that nature. And I think that that's fair, right? It's not like these four games just exist in a vacuum. There There's a lot that went into them. But I do think that this team is different enough where I'm willing to kind of separated a little bit from what we've seen in the past i mean well, really even three seasons ago this roster looks a lot different so i don't know i i guess maybe are we boring are we not going to
1: hot take town right away what's up with us i, I know i, thought, I know I thought that was the
0: bread and butter i here. know
1: i know we're trying to actually let things play out and see how they go um no i i think kind of i think the biggest thing is that Unlike years past, where Bob Murray essentially left the team exactly the same, outside of maybe bringing in a or Trevor egress kind of comes into the team, Jamie Drysdale comes to the team, you have these younger guys taking spots. This is the first year in a long time where it feels like there was roster turn turnover. There was prior, well, <laughs> not feels like there actually was. Yeah. The entire like the entire defense is different, and they're figuring that out. The whole second line is basically different, and they're figuring that out. And so. I, I think from that perspective, you, you can really point to a few things that, that need to play out. Having said that, I think there are some things good and bad from the coaching staff, and I do right. want to just jump into this because I think this is going to be the most critical thing out of all of this is um, it, it, it's going to be essentially how the coaching staff responds to all of this. And I think the good thing out of this first four games is I think Dallas Akins has not shown – um, he hasn't stuck to essentially what he started the season with and has shown the ability to create lines that I think will actually be effective. I mean, and, and he, with he, that- qu- he quite literally has, yeah. yeah. He's- and and by that, he started the season with Trevor Zegris on a different line than Troy Terry. Um, and, and had Troy Terry with Mason McTavish and uh, Ryan Strom, and then had Adam Henrique with Trevor Zegris and um, Frank Vetrano. And then kind of as it kind of work through as they went through that Islanders game, they really needed some offense. And what did he do? He put Troy Terry and Trevor Zegris together along with a uh, rotating person on that right on the the left wing there, whether it was a Jacob Silverberg, whether it was a Adam Henrique. And that those two together created instant offense. And same thing happened in the Rangers games for those two. Tonight was a little bit of a different story, but I think that has shown some growth where he is not essentially treating Trevor Zegris with kid gloves necessarily. And is willing to put him and Troy Terry together because that gives them their best offense or best ability to create offense quickly, and yeah. I think that's one thing that is a massive, massive positive for them. On the flip side, though, I think that he also is changing things without letting letting the players essentially figure it out together. And well, that's that,
0: I feel like that's so. Just just to cut you off there a little bit. That's yep. a tough one for me. Yeah, because because I have been giving. Aiken's credit for making changes quickly when um, things don't appear to not be working, right? Like we talked about putting Zegras and Terry together. I mean, that's worked spectacularly well. Like those two, along with Adam Henrique have been, have been lights out, but it's, it's just hard to square for me giving credit for making swift changes, but also not letting things play out. Like those two things
1: are kind of at odds with each other. Yeah. You're, you're, you're basically speaking out both sides of your mouth with that.
0: Right. So and, I feel and like... So,
1: but, but I think with the my, my main kind of contention there is not so much the forward lines because I, I think the forward lines, the change they made was good and I think he's now at the point where I think you have to let this play out and you have to see what these, these top two lines can do because I think the biggest issue and let's just do this right now and I'll get to the other part of this after but I think the biggest issue for this Ducks team right now really uh, boards ugly head tonight which is the Ducks I think actually played their best game of the season tonight The third period was garbage, but they played their best two. their they played two really good periods. And then basically from the five minute last five minutes of that second period through the third period, they really sat back. Maybe it was the back back getting to them. Maybe it was a bunch of different things. But the this was the first game since putting together Zgris and Terry where they were not effective. Um, they they just weren't they weren't good at creating chances for. They were giving up pucks in the ozone. zegris and Terry were both turning it over. It happens. They're not going to have fantastic games every single night. And the issue that they had was that they weren't really able to generate a whole lot of offense outside of that. One of the goals was a Jacob Silverberg shot that kind of was a little bit of a fluky goal, half shot that. How And then the other one is a good chance. I dare you. That, a good chance that's created that is uh that that comes off of mason mctavish shot. silverberg finds the rebound and puts it in but for the most part the other lines weren't creating especially the the mctavish strome vetrano line and if the if a team is able to key in and shut down zegris and terry that line has to be able to generate offense it absolutely has to for this team if they're going to have any success at all and i think that that is the big issue right now and i think it's four games. I think you have to let this ride it out a couple more games at least with yeah. that line. But I think that that, as a, looking back, is one of the bigger issues from the offensive perspective is that that line is not able to get the puck out of their own zone and transition to the offensive zone. And, I mean, that's a big issue for this team on the whole is they're not able to break the puck out of their own zone, but it's really bad for that one.
0: Yeah, I think that kind of taking that approach of going through different issues just by looking at the lineup is a, is a good way to go. It's hard to say exactly why Strom, Vetrano, and McTavish haven't quite worked because, I mean, it's it's a bunch of—it's three good players on the same line. Like, I think— you
1: do, you do have to give it some time, and I, I think there are some positive signs yeah, in there. I, I mean, I, I think if I want to look at that line, I think the biggest issue from that line's perspective, when you look at some of the numbers for that line, they are not really generating any offense. They, If you look at expected goals for, they're at 1.33 expected goals, 4 per 60, 3.26 against. For, and this is prior to tonight's game. Whereas the Henrique Zegres-Terry line, 4.46 expected goals for, 1.28 yeah. against. But also it, before also before tonight's game so probably has gone down yeah or it's probably stabilized itself a little bit yeah but but i think kind of that shows that they're just not really getting into the offensive zone and they're not really able to to break the puck out and i think that is the biggest issue that i've seen from that line is that they get stuck in their d zone a lot and they they end up being a bit too passive and i think a lot of it has to do with mason mctavish kind of learning d zone responsibility as a winger and for better or worse they're going to play him on wing and he has to be able to kind of figure out that because they get stuck at times because he jumps a little bit too low because of the center for those that don't know you're typically going to be the guy covering low you're going to essentially act as the the third defenseman there, covering the the third forward low and when you're a winger, your primary responsibility is going to be more so high in the zone, covering the the defenseman up there. And so you can see McTavish kind of his his instincts kicking in of wanting to drop lower in the zone, wanting to help lower because that's just kind of where his play style is. You watch him in World Junior, he's known as being kind of that defensive center, right? That That's kind of what he's known for. And instead, he's the guy that's on the wall having to chip the puck out. And I think that that is one thing that is really kind of, putting this line at, at, at a little bit of a disadvantage is they're not having a guy that knows essentially where he needs to be to break the puck out and get it out quick. And it causes them to have some extended shifts in their own zone.
0: Right. Well, I mean, this line wasn't together in the preseason. Like true, this is a, true. This is a new line. So I think I'm also fair. I'm willing to give that line some time. And I think if you look at tracking data from both Strom and Vitrano last year, like they're both guys who are actually decent at getting the puck out of their zone at retrieving it or just getting it out pure exits so we don't really have a a firm handle yet on what mason mctavish is at the nhl level but i'm i'm just willing to give
1: that a little more time because it's like they're they're figuring it out it's more so just kind of addressing what the issues are, right? it's yeah. not saying that it can't be fixed. And like I said, yes. these are these are fixable issues for this yes. team. It's and, and, and this is a very and I think that if they can end up breaking that puck out of their zone and they can get the puck into transition more and leading to more offensive zone time, I mean that is they a lineup. Yeah, I mean we've seen it from Vitrano, right? I think one of the biggest <laughs> yeah. takeaways is Vitrano has a lethal shot and he it's was actually to, kind of crazy. Like it's insane. He was able to beat just stricken clean. Like that is not easy to do to be Igor Shosturkin from a standstill clean.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think that it's fair to say that that line has been, it has been an issue. That's one of the reasons that they've struggled. But again, it goes back to our initial kind of bigger picture point, which is that it's a small sample. And at least with these guys, there's reason to believe that, that things will, will improve. Um, You touched on the Zegers, Terry and Henrik line. Um, so we don't need to belabor that too much, but they're, they're think, very, very good. I think it's just fun to talk about that. Troy Terry and Trevor Segris, whenever they're put together, just create magic and Adam Henrique is, has fit right in. Like, it's actually kind of crazy that pretty much if you go back to ever since Segris entered the NHL, like every time he's been with Terry, the ducks control, they control the expected goals battle and they actually control the actual goals battle. Like they're over 50% in both. And it's not a huge sample, but it just goes to show that, you know, we we talk a lot about, oh, do you want roster balance? Do you want to stack the deck? Blah blah blah. And I don't really think it's either or. It's just the fact that hey, you have two guys who work together, their styles mesh, they're good fits for each other, and you get good results. Like, you just have to pl- Like, you just have to do it. it it's like well, it doesn't I'll- have to be this big philosophical stacking the deck versus balance thing.
1: I, I also think from the perspective of. What's the long-term plan for this team? And I, and I know maybe that's not something Dallas Aikens wants to care about or even think about, but you have two guys that are probably going to be on this team for the next four to five years at least, um, and it, it's something that you want to have these guys build chemistry—not just for this year, but for the years in the future. And, and I think that that's a very critical piece of this, and, and one of the things that um, one of the things that really is important about having these two together. And if it's working... And the reason why it works, right, is they're both more, they're both very, very smart players. They're both guys that actually... I, I think what's been so impressive is they both slow down the game to their own liking. Mm-hmm. And I think Troy Terry has been one of the most impressive players this season so far. With I don't even want to even talk about the goals necessarily. But just how he's able to attack players and open up space and slow down and speed up and change... He, you can just tell that he knows exactly what he wants to do when that puck's on his stick and how he wants to attack guys to open up space. And whether it's drawing guys in to feed other players or if it's attacking guys and getting himself his own shot. And he's just so deliberate in a very smart way that he's becoming... I mean, everyone knows I love Troy Terry, but he's becoming an absolute force in this league that I think is going to become an all-star on a consistent basis, basically
0: yeah i mean i think that you touched
1: on it and it's a great point like he's
0: his processing speed like you can just see that he it's like he has the scripts in his head of okay if i get this reaction i'm doing that like if the defenseman overextends a stick you know i'm sliding the puck underneath it or you know i'm 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 attacking his feet like what have you he's just he's he's having these read and react situations where he's almost always making the right decision and I think that just goes to show that Troy Terry's always been a very smart player. But now that he's kind of built up his his toolkit, he's able to exploit that intelligence even more. And yeah, I mean, with his, I think his chemistry with Seagrass, it just makes sense. Like, they're both guys who look to attack. They're both guys who look to gain the middle of the ice. They, they both just treasure that, that slot area. And they have the skill to, to get there. And then with Adam Henrique, he's one of the Ducks best. I mean, maybe the, the Ducks' best like off puck player, where he's just able to get to the right spots and he's got the touch to to make it count. So, the Ducks potentially, again, it's a small sample, but potentially have a
1: legitimate top line, and so that's exciting. Yeah, and and one thing I'm curious about, I don't know how much of the game you were able to watch because of law school. I, I know it's <laughs> tough for you. Um, one, I think half a period, yeah. maybe. The 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 ice was pretty bad tonight. Oh, don't go there! No, 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 no! But I'm not using. No. I'm not. No, 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 no. So let let me kind of jump. Make sure I'm making this clear. I'm not using that as an excuse for why the Ducks lost. Okay. What okay. I, what I what I am saying is that when you're a line that is really uh, reliant upon high skilled plays with the puck, that you are going to struggle and suffer when the ice is choppy and chippy, and the are puck we, is not laying fat are, are flat. Are we sure the ice is good in Honda Center? It seemed a whole lot better than the ice that was in, uh, <laughs> at the rock tonight. Cause any, no one could get a handle on a puck for either team. Why the hell is it called the rock? I just want to know that Prudential center. And isn't the, I don't know. I DB, don't know. La- DB Lowry was there. Tell us oh, why I, the reason. I, I do want to say that I actually like those, uh, New Jersey devils thirds. I like the, the template. I don't like the Jersey Jersey. It's grown on me. Um, wait, why is Prudential the rock? Is that like a nickname for the company? No, it's probably. like, I don't know. No, I, I. I think no. The Prudential logo
0: has a rock on it. I think. Does it? Oh, that's so stupid. I um, think. Okay. Yes. People are saying logo. Yeah. Yeah. The Rock yeah. of Gibraltar. Go figure. Gibraltar. Um, Gibraltar. Sorry.
1: Yeah. Regenda. Regenda.
0: Right. I'm just. <laughs> I'm thrown for a loop here. Okay, but let's let's close out the forwards here, and then maybe after we take our break, we can talk about the the D. Um, yeah. So after the top two lines, I think Dallas Aikens right now is in a stage where he's trying to figure out what that bottom six is going to look like. And to Dallas Aikens' credit, he's experimented. Like he hasn't wasted time when things haven't worked. You'll recall in the first game, you had that Kontiola lundestrom silverberg line. Like that line just didn't last. And and he's played around with things. Pavel Regenda has... Has really solidified himself in the bottom six although he didn't play tonight, um, but he's trying stuff. And I and I do think, like, just as a big bigger picture comment, I think Dallas Akins, so far this season, has done a really good job of moving pieces around, kind mm-hmm. of appro- appropriately.
1: I'm I, not saying th- I'm not saying he's been perfect, but when you compare well, it to years past, he's he's doing a good job of that. I think from the man management roster or lineup roster construction perspective, which is something that we've been very critical of. I think he's taken a step forward this season over past seasons. yeah. And I think the issue this year is that the on-ice actual tactics are behind well, just, on some things.
0: The, yeah, and and this is mostly speaking to 5-on-5 five five because yeah. the penalty kill has, uh, let's call it, it's been a weakness.
1: Let's get through the D and then we'll get to the penalty kill and, well, well, and power play.
0: Well, so anyway, I just want to talk about the bottom six, though. That's, that's yep. what we're kind of trying to do. So, I mean, Max Contois... I think we could start there. I think that he's he's looked. Should we call it resurgent? So I think he's looked good. Yeah, I think he's
1: looked good. I, I think that any line that he's been on, I think it's been solid. I think he's a guy that has shown an ability to transition the puck through the the new out of the defensive zone through the neutral zone and get a shot. The one thing that I don't get, I know we said we'd save special teams, but I mean <laughs> we're talking about about Max Comtois. I don't understand putting him on the penalty kill. Like I know, I know that you might think that you don't, I mean, I, the, the logic used in the very first game where he was on the penalty kill was that they didn't want any players from the power play on the penalty killer, but that was just dumb logic and bad logic from whether it was the broadcast being told that, whether it was the broadcast, giving their own opinion on that, that's just bad logic. Play your best players for the situations. Don't worry about guys that are playing both power play and penalty kill. Good players should play a bunch. Um, but I just don't think Max Comtois's game is necessarily suited for the penalty kill. Like He's not a guy that is always the best in his positioning in the defensive zone, and that's what you need for the penalty kill. And so I just think it's an odd decision to put him on the penalty kill and not on the power play. And I just think it kind of continues the, the confusion at times with how he's been used and, and the yeah. role that he's put in, almost a misunderstanding of the player.
0: Well, I mean, this season he's played – like he's played on what three different lines or he's had already three different combinations of line mates. Like I think the goal, I mean, he's, he's definitely kind of stayed in that bottom six world, but they've moved him around. They're using him on special teams, I think. And this isn't the most analytical take, but I just think that Dallas Aikens wants Max to to take some ownership of his defensive game. And I think putting him on the penalty kill is a way of saying, Hey, look, like, I trust you to do this, like go prove me right kind of thing. And maybe in doing that, that'll get him to where he needs to be defensively at five on five. Now that's a pretty bold thing to do because like these games matter, there's points on the line and you can't really afford to have bad, you know, or or players who aren't fit for it out there. But I don't, I don't hate it from that perspective, but I do agree with you though, that overall, like, if you were to put the ducks best penalty killers out there, you would just put Troy Terry and Yeah. I mean, Ryan Strom is a guy that like I think could 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 fill that role. He's as well. he's been
1: used here and there on the penalty kill. Yeah. Like like I think you you could do Henrique, you could do Strom, you could do I think Lundestrom is a decent is a good decent penalty. Yeah, I think Lundstrom
0: like that's the strength of his game, is the yeah. penalty kill. I mean, really to me, the only sore spot on the on the on the penalty kill in terms of just like players is Derek Grant. Like it just it just seems like every time he's out and this is talking about forwards, we'll get into the D, but it just does not look like it's it's clicking for him out there.
1: Yeah, I mean, the weird thing is actually at 5 on 5, the the Jones, Regenda Grant line actually has some pretty good numbers yeah. on the whole. And so, interesting that they broke that up, but the penalty kill on the against Max Jones, Jones,
0: I mean, you want to talk about it, not clicking. Let's Mika Zibanejad just kind of walk in back door. Like the one,
1: the one thing you can't allow. I mean, there were a couple. And then the two prior goals were, or the two other power play goals, Derek Grant gets caught not being able to break up a cross ice pass and not allowing the puck to go through the seam there. And that allows for the goal against. And so I, I just think there's a whole lot. I mean, screw it let's just do it let's do the penalty kill conversation right now because we're already doing it the penalty kill is a massive issue that, I mean, to so- me it- silverberg has also been out there who hasn't yeah. looked particularly great yeah despite the two goals tonight if you had to say one of the or like pinpoint the biggest issue for this team this season it's the penalty kill yeah
0: just in terms of like standings points like yeah. what has won and lost them games it's been the penalty kill because they can't get to use a basketball phrase, they can't get a stop on the penalty yeah. goal. Like they just can't avoid giving up high danger chances and ultimately goals. And I do think that at some point, Dallas Aikens, I'm curious to see how long he'll try to keep this up, trying these. Well, because because I feel like that's the whole thing, right? And and it kind of goes back to our our belief that Dallas Aikens, he just he he, he still has these archetypes for each guy and they're kind of fit into a category. And it's like, OK, Max Jones, energy guy you're on the penalty kill. Uh, Derek Grant, you know, fourth-liner character guy, you're on the penalty kill. And it's just like, instead of just looking at, okay, who's best fit for this job? Yeah, yeah, And Jakob exactly. so, Sillberg, who is well, a veteran and, and has been good in that in the past, but has not looked good well, so far.
1: Well, and I think I think it's a mixture of things on the penalty kill. I, I I think personnel is one thing. I think there are some things that can be done that's better, but I don't think... I don't know how much of a difference switching the personnel right now would actually make on the penalty kill. I I think the biggest issue right now on that penalty kill is just how passive they are. Mm -hmm. And they're just standing still and essentially allowing the, the uh, opposing team's power play to, to pass the puck around and find the open lanes and, and find the open lane to be able to, to make a cross ice pass and get a really glorious shot. And we saw it against Seattle. We saw it against the Rangers. We saw it against, I mean, the Islanders, they did a de- little bit of a better job and the two goals against were kind of more so fluky shots that, that Stoller's let in. Um, but so far we have a sample of this penalty kill, allowing those cross ice passes and being too passive on the whole. Jake, you want to, you want to know something? What? Uh, going into tonight's game. I know where you're going because I saw this earlier. Max Contois has the best expected goals against for 60. Oh, no, that, that's not where I thought you were going. Yeah, I guess so. that uh, I guess that makes sense. I mean, maybe I'll, I'll eat my eat some crow. Right maybe now. he's a gout against like the second unit. I don't know. Well, it also could be the situation where he's a guy and kind of he's in this situation. if He is just purely focusing on the defensive side of the game and not worrying about transitioning to offense. And that is his sole sole responsibility at that moment. He's able to do it better. So maybe that is I mean, something re- that, that really is in that situation is a good idea.
0: Yeah, and again, I don't know exactly where these numbers would fit league wide because I don't really look at penalty kill stats too much. But he's doing a lot better than Grant, than Lundestrom. Uh, I mean, Max Jones has has been horrific on the penalty kill so far. So it kind of makes sense, like that. I mean, someone's got to be struggling out there, and it just seems like there's not really a lot of guys who are actually doing well in t- in terms of the forwards, at least. Yeah. Um, by the way, uh, Jamie Drysdale's actually been good on the penalty kill. So yeah, apropo, apropos, of nothing.
1: Yep. Uh, anything else on the bottom six or the penalty kill while we're at it? Uh,
0: well, I guess we should briefly mention that Pavel Orgenda has looked really good. I yeah. mean, he's been good at five on five. He's picked up some points, which I know we don't talk a lot about points, but like, it's a thing, like it matters. Like he's, he's picked up some assists and he's looked solid overall. And I think. You think back to the the bottom six,
1: the fourth lines of years past and it's an upgrade. Good for him. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And yeah, I mean if it's small sample, we'll keep saying that. If the Grant Jones Regenda line can keep up what they're doing and being there at fifty three point point nine seven expected goals four percentage, if they can just be a net neutral for this team at five on five. That's a win that that's a huge win for this team moving forward and that's going to be something that's going to be really beneficial and if the ducks can somehow find a way to get that second line going and find some sort of competency out of a third line they've got four lines well that you still need the Strom line to come through hey i said the second did line gets go i did say okay that. okay you I, said that okay
0: okay yeah so so two out of the four lines um I should also say that if anyone is listening to this and wants to get drunk, just just do a drinking game where every time we say sample size or small sample, take a drink. Yeah, there you go. If you're looking for a, a dumb
1: reason to get drunk, yep. go for it. We've all been there. All right. <laughs> so uh, want to get in a, a word from our sponsor and then we'll come back for the defense. All right, so it's sports season, baby, and our sponsor, True Classic, has everything you need to make the most out of that lineup. Whether you have abs of steel or a soft, cream-filled center, finding the right t-shirt can be terrible. Most t-shirts are too too tight in all the wrong places or way too big and boxy, but not True Classic. This is the brand behind the softest, flattering, and most comfortable t-shirt of the year. Athletes may have jerseys. But we have true classic true classic is the one-stop shop for your favorite casual crewnecks polos and activewear and i'm telling you they give you they give all those expensive brands out there a run for their money these are the uniforms you need in your closet they do the styling you do the wearing it's that simple uh goal true classic has already helped Over 2 million men get their fit on at an affordable price. So we want to hook you up with some True Classic. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the code CTP at TrueClassic.com. So guys, you're all wearing the wrong clothes. You need to level up and highlight your greatest assets with the t-shirt you can confidently throw on anytime True classic makes quality clothing for real guys. You'll get that perfect fit and the softness you've always wanted from that sandpaper excuse for a t-shirt that you've probably been wearing right, that you're probably wearing right now. Whether you're at the gym or you've had too many beers, you need true classic. They use a foolproof perfect fit formula so all guys can look and feel their best around the clock. Their tees are snug around the arms and chest to make your muscles pop and they leave a little wiggle room in the torso for extra comfort. I'm telling you, these shirts are awesome. Their activewear t-shirts, jogger, and shorts can get you from the couch to the gym and back. Wear them anytime and you won't regret it. Even MMA fighters are raving about True Classic's four-way stretch for training. Um, so do us all a favor. Show off your arms with their activewear crew necks. They are sun sweat and stink wicking. Plus, they look amazing. True Classic for the win. So guys, don't drop the ball or I guess do a drop past the puck. To the other team and upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic. Get 25% off at TrueClassic.com with the code CTP. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at TrueClassic.com with code CTP. Strengthen your core wardrobe with True Classic today. Go check them out. They're actually really comfortable. They mm-hmm. are. They yeah. they are very comfortable. I I do have to say I almost said jorts instead of shorts. Jorts. And jorts. What's wrong with jorts, by the way? Like, honestly. That that silence, I think, says it all. People are wondering if you're going to be doing a Manscaped ad read today. No, no no ad read from them. Next not time, today. maybe I'll have Felix do. Yeah, just uh, flex me in. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'll DH or ad read. There you go. Um, yeah, okay. Well, on that note, yes, I'm wearing a Padres hat. Um, because, although I'm not a Padres fan, I'm a Giants fan, What's the old saying? The, the, uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, or something like that. The Padres took down the Dodgers. I'm, I'm giving them their flowers by, by wearing my, my hat.
1: Wait, 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 wait. wait, Did I get the saying me, wrong? Weren't you giving me flack last week? Because you're, you're like, like I'm just wearing a hat.
0: I'm just wearing a hat. You are like, basically proclaiming yourself a, a diehard fan already. Am you're, I? You're you're watching it like I'm not watching the games. I'm just wearing the hat. Um, so different, very different. But yeah, I am even still, you know, giving them their flowers by uh, wearing this hat that you know on a podcast that's broadcast to millions, potentially billions. Uh, so it's it's still a big big move on my part. And where did I get the hat? I actually went to a uh Padre game over the summer and got it as a souvenir. Apparently, buying a hat as a souvenir is not allowed in baseball. It's like treason if you just buy a hat. So anyway. Anyway, 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 let's, uh, let's move on here. Let's move on. And let's talk about the blue line. Because that has been a weird, kind of a weird thing. Because I feel like there's, there's been, there's been some really positive signs on that blue line. And yet Dallas Higgins, who we were just talking about, has seemed to kind of, maybe not see it or, or shift things around, you know, because what I'm really referring to is early on, you know, Kulikov and Drysdale early on, relatively early on through two games, Kulikov and Drys- Drysdale look great together, posting excellent numbers, and they got split up. And now you have Drysdale with Fowler, you have Kulikov with Klingberg. Um It's just kind of all replacing on the, on the third pairing. I mean, we've already seen three different, uh, left left shot D on the third pairing. We've seen Bolier, we've seen Colton White, and we've seen Simon Benoit. So there's a lot to unpack there, Jake, but my first question to you, start, start with a fun one here. Uh, how has your
1: John Klingberg experience been so far? I was actually thinking about this while we were watching or while I was watching the game, and I was like, we've gotten the John Klingberg experience pretty much. <laughs> There's it, like if nothing else, it's gonna be it's gonna be a entertaining time when he's out there. Yeah, like something's yeah. gonna happen. Like he'll lead the rush up one way. He'll be deep in the zone. He'll create a, <laughs> a great scoring chance from him below the goal line, and he will also make an awful stretch pass that leads to Artemi Panarin coming into the zone and playing way too soft in the D's and allowing a shot against and a goal. Yeah. So I mean, this is what we expected, right? I mean, he's, John, Plain- he,
0: he's he's helter skelter.
1: Like John Klingberg is an all gas, no breaks defenseman. He's gonna give up quality chances against, and he's gonna get you a lot of chances for, which for the Ducks is what they kind of needed, right? Like they you were need, a very you need a high team. event you need a high event guy. And and so I think probably the the logic there is that they probably viewed John Klingberg as being way more high event than than Jamie Drysdale, and they thought he that is. <laughs> Yes. Yes. But they thought that that needed a Dmitry Kulikov more than a Jamie Drysdale did.
0: And I think that's not a bad, that's not a bad assessment. Like I, my whole thing is I kind of want to see Klingberg and Fowler work because I think it can and it should, but I don't, I don't hate the methodology there either though, based off what you said that like, I think Kulikov has shown maybe he gives Klingberg a little more freedom to roam, whereas Fowler maybe likes to roam, but I feel like he doesn't really, it's just. I don't know. It's not what I would have done, but I do I do respect kind of where they're coming from on it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's my biggest thing is that I think from the forwards, I'm happy they made the change. Here, I would have rather just seen kind of... Just let it fe- play out. Let it play out because the numbers for Kulikov, Drysdale, and Fowler-Klingberg were pretty good through three games. And I think that it was a bit of an overreaction on this front. And so we'll see if it goes back because I think that we've had two games now of Klingberg with... Uh, with Kulikov and Fowler with Drysdale, and it just hasn't worked. And I think yeah, that wh- but- whether whether it was the game against the Rangers or whether it was the the game tonight, I don't think that those pairings necessarily worked. If you look at the numbers for tonight's game, uh Shattenkirk and Benoit were the only pairing that were above 50%. Fowler, Fowler and uh Drysdale were were way low. Um not good at all for the ducks tonight. Um and then same thing from Kulikov and Klingberg. They were better but still underneath 50%. So, yeah, um, but again,
0: yeah. like go, going back to our, our our principle here, like this is small all sample. Yeah, crazy small sample. Uh, so don't want to read too much into that. But it's at least just worth noting what happened. Like you said, um, like we, we can't just like not talk about uh, anything.
1: Also, I don't ever need the Nathan Bull you experience again. Well, so, yeah. So did he not play tonight? I thought he was no, back in. It, w- it was a late scratch off of warm-ups don't know what happened or wow. anything like that late scratch off of warm after warm-ups for benoit to come in so i don't know if he got hurt in warm-ups or what happened oh but yeah, yeah. well I, the, I, the, I, the one game
0: that they played together shattenkirk and bollier uh 1.18 expected goals four <laughs> percentage
1: yeah not good <laughs> that's um, that's that's pretty bad i'd be curious to see colton white get a little bit more of a run out yeah, I mean, he the one game he played,
0: he had really good numbers, and I thought that he's just kind of a neutral third pairing defenseman who doesn't do too much, but is able to make a play when he has the puck. Yeah, uh, I think if they rotate between Colton White and um, Simon and Benoit. Simon Benoit, that they're they're going to be in a good spot there, just to kind of mitigate Shattenkirk. Yeah. Um, but Bolia, I mean, it's hard because I'm trying. I'm trying to do my best of, like, give the guy a chance. But we have years of data that he's just not a good NHL defenseman. And he's pretty much done everything to confirm that so far. So it's kind of just like not that's not option one. Put it that way. I guess if you were to rank those three guys right now, you can also include Josh Maher in your ranking if you'd like. (laughs) (laughs) Who's your top
1: uh, top option right now? Who's the leader in the clubhouse? Honestly, probably at this point in time, Colton White, just because I'm kind of curious. Yeah, I think with Benoit, you kind of know what he is. Yeah. I guess, let me ask you this. I, uh, well, I I guess the only thing is, I don't really know how Colton White is on the penalty kill. Maybe they view Simon Benoit as being a better penalty killer, which is why they want that. I don't know. Well,
0: well do you go, like, is the ideal third pairing a uh, third pairing that does not have Kevin Shattenkirk on it?
1: So go Colton White, Simon Benoit? Sure. I mean, if that means Nathan Beaulieu's in the lineup, then no. I mm-hmm. take Shattenkirk over Beaulieu. Well, let's say you had a white Benoit
0: third pairing. I think I think you you it's you kinda wanna try to find a way to have Shattenkirk in the lineup if you can, because he's so good on the power play still. Which I know is not a popular take, but he was very good on the power play last year. So Anyway, that's probably a lot, maybe too much for people on on the third pairing. Yeah. Um, But yeah, my my Klingberg experience, to go back to that man, he just does stuff out there that nobody else, I mean, thinks about doing very few defensemen in the NHL, like let alone on the Ducks, because the bar is pretty low there the last few years. But man, he is just so aggressive and he's got the ability to pull it off. Like, that's the thing. There's guys who are aggressive where uh, it kind of gets sucked out of them quick. But he's got that ability. He's almost like Troy Terry in a way, where he's so good at threatening that that middle of the ice option, that, that middle drive, and, and cutting in and out depending on what the defender gives him. He's a shot threat, he's a pass threat. And yeah, it's going to bite you sometimes, but man, is he fun to watch. And I think also moving away from Klingberg, that Jamie Drysdale's looks solid to me so far. You know, it hasn't been all perfect, but th- there's still some issues in his game. Like, I think he's a little too, he's still a little like he doesn't really think through his shot selection when he's in the offensive zone. There's a lot yeah. of just, there's a lot of just point shots with no traffic. And even like, you'll hear the commentators say something about it. Yeah. Um, but overall he's looked solid as well.
1: Yeah. And he's had a couple really nice zone entries and dangerous chances that he's created yeah. off that entry. Assists. And could, yeah. 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 Or and not so- assist, but just like chance, like, like assist chances, chance, assist. chance chances. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's something in his game that we didn't necessarily see always last season. I think we're seeing it more so far. I think he's breaking the puck out a little bit cleaner. He has gotten caught in his own zone, but who hasn't really for the Ducks? No. Almost every every single defender, every single line has been caught in their own zone for extended stretches of time. I think that, honestly, I, I was kind of just curious, kind of looking at the expected goal and shot totals for and shot chart uh, for today's game. And one of the things that really stuck out to me, kind of looking at this, and I think it kind of really – I haven't checked this with other games, but I think it kind of checks out the ducks kind of play in these waves, right? Mm. Where they have multiple really poor waves where they get <laughs> hemmed in their own zone. They're giving up chances against, and they're, or they're, they may be doing a decent job of keeping stuff to the outside and not keeping everything inside, but they're stuck in their own zone, hemmed in, and then give up maybe one good chance after giving up a bunch of shots. And I think that leads to these inflated shot on goal totals. But then the Ducks do a good job of when they do get the puck out and they transition. And I think a large part of that is due to Zegris and Terry. They're getting really high quality looks going the other way. And I think that's one thing that, if you want to say as a positive for this team, is that even though they're not getting a lot of shots, I think they are a team that has been able to get a lot of high quality looks when they are getting their shots off. And that's one thing that they do. I think that's fair. They need to do more. They need to get more shots, no doubt. They're they're not shooting the puck enough, and their expected goal totals in to, um, reflect that. Reflect that. But I think that for kind of from an expected goals per shot standpoint, I think they're doing a good job of getting quality chances. They just need to essentially limit those uh, stretches in their own zone so they can continually create the other way. Because I think that is their biggest hindrance right now is they get stuck in their own zone and they're too passive, and then it just kind of uh goes on top of itself and eventually when they get out of it they're able to get high quality chances the other way they just need to essentially limit those bad stretches against and i think that's the biggest thing because this team is not going to be the the best defensive team in the league they're they're just not what they're set up they don't have the personnel for that they don't they don't they're gonna be a team that needs to hit in transition so they're gonna give up quality chances against the thing is you can't give up that quality chance against and then get hemmed in your zone you have to try to turn it into a track meet honestly like that's where this team is going to find success
0: yeah i mean you just look at how i mean it all starts with their blue line like you just look at the the top four you don't really i mean outside of maybe cam fowler outside of cam fowler i should say you don't have anyone who's super stout defensively like we just haven't seen that from drysdale yet Klingberg is not that um and Kulikov, you know is just kind of is what he is like a middle pairing guy um, and so you're going to have to leverage the mobility of those guys. Cause even Kulikov, like he's had some zone entries and I'm like, oh, okay. Didn't know, uh, didn't
1: know you had that in the bag. So, yeah. And, and I'm looking right now at the numbers and the ducks currently sit 30th in Fenwick four per 60. So for those that didn't know, uh, expected goals is based on Fenwick four because they can't count block shots because of the way the NHL tracks it. So they're, they're 30th in Fenwick four per 60. So unblocked shots four. And then they are 25th in expected goals for per 60. So that goes to show you that the the <laughs> unblocked shots that they're getting are high quality. Like, right. like they're, they need to get more, but right. they're getting high quality looks. Yeah, I think it's just like you said, it's
0: I think they're going to have to get more aggressive defensively, try to create more turnovers, try to get yeah. out and transition.
1: You can't be as passive as they've been.
0: And I think that they can also be a good team off the cycle. Like they, I, I think that that's honestly like the, the the idealized version of the second line to me is not a great like rush line because Strom isn't. I mean, just doesn't really have the speed. For Toronto, kind of needs other guys to create for him, and then you have McTavish, who we don't know quite yet has shown well in transition so far. But to me, that. You need to find a way to get those guys in the others in the other end. Like you, like they're not going to be this excellent transition line. So how can you find kind of kind of easy, almost like easy mode ways to get them out? Like can you just force turnovers? Can you create loose puck battles? You know, along the wall where they can they can quickly poke it out. Just different things like that. Because to me, that could be a line that when they figure things out, uh, hashtag figure it out, that they are gonna they could be a good team off the cycle.
1: Yeah. And just kind of to the point of what we've said, right. For um, essentially how is this team done? <laughs> What's been the issue with this team, right. In terms of breaking it out. And I think there's a really good example I can think of. I think it was in the Rangers game for the Henrik Segrist Terry line where Henrik is able to pull the puck off the boards. And instead of making the simple play of chipping it up off the boards in his own zone and going out with it, he's able to essentially pick his head up, see that Trevor Zegers is coming up in the zone and dish the puck to Zegers. And then Zegers breaks the puck out. And those types of plays where you exit with, with speed and with possession, those end up uh, creating chances. What, what's happening?
0: Just, uh, <laughs> Hey, flow is posting uh, certain isms in our, in certain our chat. It's just, just cracking me up. No. Yeah. I, I think that's a good point. Um, Did you want to talk about the power play at all? Yeah. Well, let's do it real quick. I think it's been a disappointment so far. Well, it's weird because it's kind of what you've been saying about waves. Like, there's been times where I think they've looked
1: amazing, like especially the first unit. Well, I think in the preseason they looked amazing. I don't think they – maybe I'm I'm misremembering. Maybe I'm forgetting the Seattle game. I mean, yeah. Like, I'm thinking mostly about
0: the Seattle game. They've had stretches where – and even, like – even games like since then, I think that they've had little tiny kind of kind of blips where they've looked like, oh, wow, this could be something. It's yeah. just and I think someone pointed this out on Twitter. I mean, and it kind of goes to their five on five issue as well. They have such a hard time setting up. They have such a hard yeah. time just getting to that point where they're finally um, they're finally able to, to do what they want. And I think that that just goes to show that they're like, especially when you have new players, when you have new players. Uh, personnel, it takes time to figure out that breakout. Like that's something that doesn't happen overnight.
1: So just kind of this obviously none of these numbers for the overall season include tonight's game. But the Ducks currently sit 28th and expected goals four per sixty on the power play. Yeah and so that that kind of reflects what we're saying here. Um I, I think my biggest thing is in that preseason right we talked about this in I think last week's pod that against the Kings they had quick puck movement they had quick player movement and it made that power play super dangerous. Yeah. And, 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 and they get and they get to that at times. At times. But I don't I like in tonight's game, I don't think there was any of that. I think we saw no. them kind of go back to the stationary, stationary situation where they're not moving the puck quickly. They're holding on to it too long. And I think some credit should go to the Devils uh penalty killers because they were really aggressive and were kind of forcing the action. But the way you beat that is with that quick puck movement, and we didn't see that tonight. And so I think that that is, that's something that I think needs to needs to be fixed. I think the players out on that first unit are correct. They just need to execute better. I think that honestly yeah. is what it is at this I, point. I in do time. think, I do think
0: that we're probably not appreciating enough that there is, there are a lot of new pieces on this team that are still gelling together. Yep. And, and that can take time. That can take time to figure out. And it's not an excuse. Like I think they can, they can still like, regardless of that, these last four games have not been a good showing but that's part of the picture. It's a it's a factor.
1: Should we talk about goaltending really quick? I realize we we've avoided it. We've got Andrew Vega in the YouTube chat kind of talking well, about it. Well no, Gibson. I mean I
0: I feel like it's the it's the logical end point here. We've talked about yep. everything else. Yep. John Gibson hasn't been good. I think like you can say that and and not mean to say that he's never gonna be good or that he's cooked, but he hasn't or that that he's the biggest issue with this team. No, like like I I think that if he had been better in some games, yeah, the Ducks have a better chance to win, but there's been games where they just haven't played well enough to win anyway. I think they still would
1: I think they still would have lost the
0: games. Exactly. I think against Seattle, right? Like that was a good showing for him. Uh kind of in the, the latter half of that game. Uh but but yeah like it's been it's been really difficult for him just because the Ducks have not played particularly well in front of him and he hasn't bailed them out. Like I think the case for John Gibson as an elite goalie so far this season, I mean, it, it's not really playing out because he's just not really bailing them out. But that doesn't mean that he's been the problem either.
1: Yeah. And like, it, just, think- it just depends what kind of what's your criteria of evaluation for him yeah and i think that's my biggest thing and just kind of giving people some numbers uh 0.62 gsax in that seattle game negative 2.23 in the islanders game negative 2.14 in the rangers game and so you could you could quibble with some of those numbers for instance with the rangers game me me and mike uh heyo flow kind of talked about it said some things where kind of one of the things expected goal models really don't do is account for pre-shot movement and so maybe it's a little bit low on oh, the, yeah. the the cross ice passes that that well, ended up resulting or in also goals the, on the low power. to high passes too. Yeah, like like the the some of the goals that occurred on the power play specifically for the Rangers that were all royal road passes and it doesn't accurately do that. But I think even but, with that, wouldn't that wouldn't that
0: hurt his numbers more though? Like when that no,
1: it would help him because it would make the, the expected goal total higher. Oh, I see what you're saying. Got it. Got so, it, got it. but but I still think that. I think where I'm going with this is eventually so the thing with an expected goal model is eventually all of that evens out they base it off location for every one goal for every shot that comes like that you're going to get some floaters that are easier saves than they should have been and so over time it evens out in these single game samples you can maybe fine-tune and look at it but at the end of the day you need John Gibson to make saves for you and, and if he is going to be an elite goalie he can't allow that many goals. Like it's just that, <laughs> that like it's that plain and simple and it's not necessarily meant to be a drag on him. You need your goalie to be better than expected. If he is an elite level goalie. Well, that's, the, so, that's the whole thing. I, I think like, that the, like, yeah. like, like you need him and you need him to make some saves. He's not going to, that is what an elite goalie in this league does. That's what they do on the regular. And that's what John Gibson has done on the regular. And so if the argument is that John Gibson is a league average goalie, then sure maybe these are about expected performances but if you're you're talking about John Gibson and trying to say he's going to regain the form that he's had years past these these games have not been that and i think yeah. that's the biggest thing Well that i mean that's the
0: whole thing is that you can watch
1: these games
0: and you can watch the goals and you can say oh that wasn't his fault that wasn't his fault that wasn't his fault cuz they they rarely are not his fault like most goals that are scored in the NHL are not the goalie's fault right it's a it's a defensive breakdown it's a weird bounce it's pretty rare that goalies get beat super clean. The difference though is that elite goalies cut those down. Like they find ways to to make those saves that uh, that another goalie just isn't going to and Gibson hasn't done that so far. It's four games. We'll give we'll show him some grace, but it hasn't been a good start for him so far.
1: Yeah, it hasn't. And so this can easily turn around as with everything, small yeah. sample size. He yep. has only actually played one full game so far. <laughs> So I think that that should be noted. He's been pulled Um, twice, which should also be noted. Yeah. And so Stolar's uh, against the Rangers, uh, 0.5 GSAX in relief. Islanders, negative 0.85 GSAX in relief. And then tonight, in all situations, I'm trying to look it up very quickly as I go here. He, I think, was negative, but uh, I'm trying to get there. Let's see. Can I get there quick? Uh, negative 0.25. So about what was expected. So Solars was there. And I think for Solars, it's all about perspective, expectation, things like that. I think that's kind of what you want from Solars is an at, at expected level goalie. Yeah. I, I think again, like he's a small sample within a small sample. So yeah.
0: And it's also just been weird because he's had to come in, you know, to relieve John Gibson. So yeah, I, I think goaltending right now, it's just an open question
1: yeah yep okay. exactly man we we covered a lot we, we did <laughs> we got through everything i think 56 minutes and shout out to the 51 people i think that are in here right now between twitch and youtube so yeah. shout out to all of you i don't know the amounts for each of them i'm trying to figure out how the best to, to manage well, you the can chats. just literally go to twitch and see yeah that's effort i have both i have so you should see my screen twitch is 25 so you've it's an even split. You you've seen my screen last week. There's a lot going on. Sure. And I, and that's where I come in. Yeah, T- exactly. T-Morph. Exactly. Okay. So let's get to some questions. So we're going to start with our, YouTube or our, sorry, our discord, uh, which you can all join. If you go to patreon.com slash crash spawn, uh, this comes from, uh, shaken wings, uh, saying where does the ducks top four D rank in the league? Um, uh, so let's start with that. Where do you think it ranks in the league? Ooh, I would say probably a little bit
0: either average to below average, like slightly below average. Uh, I'd say average to above average. I think adding Klingberg makes a big difference. I mean, I think you could argue that maybe it like, I think you could argue either way that it's slightly above or slightly below average, but I think it's like right around there. I don't think you can say it's solidly above or below either way. Like there, I think the problem for them is like, we just don't really know yet how it's going to look. And we also don't, I mean, because we don't really know what Jamie Drysdale is going to be this season. Like, that's yep. that's why I would have him there. Uh, but there's
1: definitely upward potential there. Yep. Uh, and he also added, if you could play on a forward line, who on the current Ducks uh, or who, what two players from the current Ducks would you have with you? Oh, if, if we were suiting up? Yeah. Oh, well, that's an easy one it's egress and terry yeah the guys who will get me the puck like, like. yeah the, mm-hmm. the 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 guys that will will get me the puck in a spot where i can score goals and make money i mean then again
0: you know even if i were to literally just stand in front of the net because it's probably all i could do in an hl game i would just get like beat up and moved away so i would just be a body out there but
1: yeah those would be the two yep. guys and if you were a demon who would you have one as your uh as your partner Ooh, i'm gonna go with cam fowler yeah, I'm going to go
0: Cam Fowler also. I feel like if I played, I mean, this is now just selfish, you know, Diva beer league me talking, but if I'm playing with Klingberg, I'm not going to touch the puck. And, you know, these,
1: these beer league fees aren't cheap, so I want to I want to be able to touch that that puck. There you go, folks. Uh, Jared said, lots of speculation about the, how this team will perform the season. It's still way early, um, but based on the first few games, would you say the Ducks have a depth problem? To, and he said to him, the third and fourth line look considerably not good. I mean, we knew that the Ducks uh
0: depth was not going to be a strength for them up front
1: well but if but the number but i don't we have but, but i
0: don't think it's been actually as bad as we thought it would be exactly that because that's the thing. because of one pavel regenda who there on this go. very podcast i predicted would do this in the summer months someone needs <laughs> to pull up the facts <laughs> pull up the facts i'm gonna keep saying this until at some point people just forget that i ever may
1: have said something differently um, and, yeah. and then he, he also added, also, uh, this team's poor defense wasn't a surprise. We predicted this team to have high offense, poor defense. How would you guys say the Ducks offense has performed so far? I think that's been the biggest area
0: of weakness. We just talked about it. Like they're not able to play much offense. Yeah, I, I think
1: it's been one line. It's been I, the, it's been the Zegers Terry line. I think when they have gotten in the offensive zone, they've been able to create gen, uh, create good yes. scoring chances. I mean,
0: I think we we've barely talked about him, but Mason McTavish has had really like spectacular moments. Yeah, it's just he hasn't gotten many
1: bites at the apple. Yeah. And, and you, I think that that is kind of what we you, talked about. He's been caught in his own zone a lot where he's not able to do that a lot. You got to bite the apple to, to eat it. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yes. I don't think that's a regular saying, but that is true. Sure. Um, uh, D Frenzy said, I know this super early. And I want to preface this by saying uh, that I do still have hopes for the team. If the Ducks go on a 10 plus game losing streak, does Aikens get fired and in season or do they wait until the end of the year? Seems like they don't like to fire people in season and wait until the end of their contract. I mean, it, let's let's give Dallas a, a chance wait, here. Real quick, D B Lowry said, is it a McIntosh apple? Could be. Could be a McTavish apple. Um but okay, yeah. Okay.
0: I, I I'm not like, let's not do the fire akins thing for well, four games in. Uh,
1: Bonnie actually texted me asking me a similar question to this. And my response to her he's, was... He's not getting fired this season.
0: I just res- don't think he
1: will. My response to it was, it depends on what Verbeek's expectation for this team was. That That is the biggest thing in for this question. Well, it was- also de- it also depends on is someone out there that he's
0: willing to replace him with. Like, yeah. I, I, I just don't really see it happening unless, like, literally they are losing, you know, think 2017-18, or no, 2018-19 Ducks where they're losing... What was the losing streak like? Sixteen games or something like that. I don't like remember.
1: That? I just remember us going streaking. I don't think that happened. But oh, sorry. <laughs> I meant as in like. Never mind. We didn't. We did not. Uh, we did not do that. But we did, we did not go go through the town to the gymnasium. Whatever the line is. <laughs> I don't. I didn't get that one. But old school. Come on. I I just don't think uh, he's getting fired unless something like that were to happen. All right, Ken Kempafu has two for us. One of them, I think you know what it's going to be, but what he said, let's say the ducks and he says, big disclaimer, I'm not saying this is going to happen or this is what I want to happen. It's just a thought experiment. He said, let's just say the ducks are as bad as they've been, but for the whole season and end up getting Connor Bedard, which of the young studs would you give up in order to keep the others and pay them what they would want to be paid? I can't imagine our cap situation be healthy enough to keep Zegras, Drysdale, Mctavish, Zellweger, Mintsukov, Terry. Uh, he said I'm counting him because his contract is probably going to be big, and Bedard. Uh, probably Terry because he's the oldest one of those. I would maybe go probably between Terry and Drysdale if I had to pick between the two. Yeah, I mean that's fair with Drysdale, but I you're going to need some. Defenders. I mean, you're keeping Zellweger and Minchukov, and you still have Leno, you still have yeah. Warren. Like, you've but, got action. But, but, like, but, th- but those guys are more of, like, you know, rounding out the roster types. I think
0: Drysdale has the kind of higher ceiling.
1: Yeah, I think there's an issue. Man, are you with, out on
0: but, Jamie Drysdale? This is, no, I'm not. Jake is a Drysdale like, hater, confirmed. Wow, wow. Well, I, I mean, I wouldn't want to give up Terry either, but I'm just thinking, like, well, you I know, guess super I guess pragmatic age wise. Well, yeah. And
1: I and I guess when this would become a concern is when Terry would be 29. Yes. And at that so. point, you probably don't want to pay him anyway. So, yeah, Exactly. Um, all right. And then Kempav said, uh, also, added, do people's conscious or unconscious bias of a player, in this case, they think they're bad, make them blind to when that player is having a good game, which then forces them to complain about that player being on the ice, even though they li- they're literally doing the best on the team that day? Yes, I'm talking about Silverberg and our Discord. I'll take an answer and an apology on the air. CC, Bonnie, and Lewis, the pro-self gang. Well, I'll let the record show that I've been pro-Silverberg all along.
0: Um, in fact, I've been one of his biggest supporters, but I do want to point out that I think that that is a very real problem, especially in the early season where you have a small number of games is that that's where you get in trouble applying your, your priors, your prior beliefs to these guys. Um, you know, when you have a bigger sample, then you can, you know, you can kind of get away from that. But I think this is definitely the time of year where people are either confirming their their biases or they're saying you know ha! Huh, i told you this wouldn't happen or i told you what happened so but i mean silverberg didn't look i mean the, the issues with silverberg go back to the preseason so it's not entirely no you know,
1: and it's not a single game shouldn't impact your view of a player one way or the other and he had a good game tonight he had good chances i think a lot of his high expected goal for goal total came from the two chances that he got that ended up going in the net they were chances yeah. from good locations that 33 ended up going in 33 um,
0: I just keep saying 33 is yeah, crazy number.
1: Th- throwing me off there. Uh, Shame on you. All right. So we're going to get to questions both from Twitch and YouTube. If you're in our Twitch chat or our YouTube chat, please put question in front of there. I need to figure out how I'm going to word this. But if you're on Twitch, you can subscribe to us. You have Amazon Prime. You get one free Twitch Prime gaming sub each and every month. If you do hit that subscribe button, it does help more than you can imagine. You'll get special emotes in the chat, special badges next to your name, and you can be just like uh like our good friend Bonnie who resubbed. Uh want to guess how many months Bonnie subbed for? Oh, we keep doing this, don't we? Uh
0: 3 times. I'm going to go
1: 44. 49. Oh, dang and okay. Bion- bionic chris uh resubbed for 24 months so thank you so much well shout also, out to you guys yeah also uh if you want to just follow us you can do that on twitch or on youtube you can follow us if you follow us and hit that notification bell you'll get notified when we go live on here just like on twitch so that you can tune in and i believe on youtube there's a way to do a super chat if you want to do that help support the same thing as bit on twitch and i think you can also subscribe on youtube so now we've given you multiple different ways to support us with the live streams. If you want to do that. Uh, so I'm going to just probably be bouncing back and forth as I figure out the, the, how I want to do this, but please put questions. figure it out. Yeah. Uh, DB Lowry said, who is the worst head coach in the Pacific division? And why is it Dave Hackstall? Oh, this is the Shane Wright thing. Hey, uh, standings
0: watch Seattle is sitting in fourth. So they're, they're right in the hunt. Thanks to Dave Hackstall. Uh, worst coach. Man, it would probably, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to go David Quinn because the the Sharks are now 0-5. And and he's done some pretty dumb things like not playing Bortolo and Eklund. So I'll I'll go David Quinn. Might not be Uh, fair, though. I'm just going off standings, which
1: is, you know, not totally relevant. Yeah, I don't think David Quinn's going to be fired. He was just. Oh hired. no! I was just
0: saying, who's the worst? I oh, the worst. Sorry, question.
1: sorry. Uh, the puff asked, by the way, in our Discord, if I good get this. Does Aikens make it to Christmas? Yes. Yes, he's not. Like, I'm
0: put. Okay. I'm I'm planting my flag in in the ground. For everyone can't see, I have a pen in my hand. I'm using the pen. I'm I'm planting my flag. I'm raising it high, and I'm saying it right now. Aikens is not getting fired. No more questions about that. Unless, okay. unless, unless, of course, there's always a but, there's always an exception. Unless, yes, we see uh, 18, 19 levels of losing.
1: Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm in the foxhole now. Me and Dallas. Let's go. Mark Saraba said, how is Max Jones, and this is from YouTube, looking so far after coming back from his year-long injury?
0: Uh, mm, up and down. He's had some moments where I think he's looked solid. He had the uh, assist yesterday or against new york on i believe it was Derek grant's goal you know it was a nice little zone entry nice little play there he's also had some moments where he's made some pretty big mistakes also in that game that we talked about earlier on the penalty kill so just
1: up and down yeah and i think he's had moments where the puck's on a stick in the ozone and he just kind of can't handle it turns it over goes the other way there's just something about how he moves out there that just looks awkward to me but that's always been the case though Yep. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Mark Draba all said, why can't McTavish play center with Strome and Vitrano? Great question. (laughs) I think they want, I think they want Strome to play center. I think Strome is a center. They, they don't want Strome playing on the wing is what I think. And I
0: think right now, like, I mean, that question is going to start getting asked more and more if the, if the losing keeps happening because McTavish, I mean, he's trying to learn the NHL game, and at what point is, is having him on the wing be a waste of time? I've said it before, and I'll say it again, though. I don't think him being on the wing is a huge deal right now. He's playing with good players. He's getting minutes. Um, those would be bigger issues to me than,
1: you know, because let's say he was playing center on the fourth line with Jones. and. See, I disagree. I think putting him in his natural position is going to be better for him long-term right now. I think he does at times in the D zone look lost. And I think But, it, putting- but is,
0: that a, is that just a product of him being a, a rookie? I think it's more are are we
1: sure it's because he's out he's out of position I think it's probably more so a a fact of not playing his natural position so his instincts are kicking in and and are kicking in and taking him to the wrong spots on the ice than where he should be and And I would push back on that okay (laughs) anyway continue I mean the only way we'll find out honestly is if he ends up playing center does he play center this season maybe okay uh let's see johnny said where would zellweger fit in the lineup next year third pairing well actually no Sh- shattenkirk
0: will be gone next year most likely mm-hmm. so well, he's
1: left-handed right i'm not going crazy there's always well I'm, I'm just
0: thinking like who would be on the third pairing well, i'm gonna go I'm, i mean it'll be third pairing like, No, he's
1: gonna be second pairing
0: oh you're right because Kulikov is a yep.
1: free agent okay yep yep sure uh db lowry is Said uh would Akins have a better record than Nathaniel Hackett in Denver. Uh
0: hold on. The ducks are what, one and three? Yeah. And what's what's Denver? That's I don't the... know.
1: I I watched the end of that game last night and it was it hurt. The the Broncos are a tire fire. Um That game last night was miserable. I'm gonna go
0: with yes just because I, I'm more down on the Broncos than I am the the Anaheim Ducks.
1: Okay. Uh, let's see, uh, Andrew Vega said on YouTube, will Rocco be signed to an NHL contract and called up, and which line does he fit in?
0: I kind of doubt it, I mean, they signed him to an, like, the Ducks didn't even sign him, the San Diego Goals signed him to a contract.
1: Yeah, I, I think he would need to absolutely light up the AHL for I that to happen. I think,
0: I saw some people saying, oh, this is like maneuvering by the Ducks to, you know, to, to, to avoid having to, to pay him, like, to... Well, to, like
1: to avoid having to put them on waivers. And I'm like, there's no way Rocco Grimaldi, I think, would have gotten claimed. if yeah, he would have gone on I, waivers. I, I just I, don't see it. Like, I think if anything, it's potentially a contract issue. But the Ducks are at 44 uh, out of 50 contracts. So it's not as if they're up against it, where no. adding another contract would really make a, a dent it just, in that. It just feels like if they had wanted to sign him to an NHL
0: deal and have him on the roster or have him be available as a call up, like they would have done it. Right. Yeah. Yep. They, yep. There's nothing prohibiting them from doing that. I, I think he has to
1: absolutely tear up the AHL and, for, or or just, you have a crazy rash of injuries or COVID yep. or as B. Dottles brings up. I think he's more break the glass in case of injuries, uh guy. Yeah. And so Curtis said, question seven guys have worn a's to the, this point is the captain C slash leadership group. Literally the entire team who emerges the main three to wear letters by seasons. end?" I think Terry will, will
0: get one of those. So he was wearing it tonight. Yeah, I think I think that'll stick.
1: So um, opening opening night it was what? It was Henrique Fowler, Silverberg. Yep. I don't remember I what the, it was but, against but the Toronto. Iowa, Strom and, and Shattenkirk all warred against the all Rangers. The Rangers. <laughs> like I think that was cool actually. Like I yeah. think if you're gonna have rotating A's, like that's a cool way to do it. Have fun with it. it. Yeah. And, and so it's a way of kind of giving them a nod, especially guys that played there for a decent amount. Well, and Betrano that is did And that it, is but, that is taken's credit. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think
0: Brett Leeson certainly has a shot there. <laughs> wow. Uh, no, bold, I think bold I, take. I'm going Terry. I'm going Fowler. I just I, think, I, I think I think they're
1: I think they're going to do a rotating A. I think they have well, guys. But, but that... like,
0: let, let's just say that like three guys end up sticking like
1: by the end of the season. Yeah, I think that it probably will be Fowler, Terry, and Henrique. Yeah, but I think they're just going to keep rotating, and I'm good with that. Yeah, and I think that... Derek that, Grant is
0: absolutely getting a letter at some point.
1: 100%. You know he is. and Yes. Smoot, if Smoot's somehow listening to this, you know somehow he's going to find a way to buy that game used jersey. Do, do they give Derek Grant the C for one game? Like, just, just go full meme? Elite 1C. That's what I'm saying. Wow. Wow. That's what I'm saying. Wow. All right. Any more questions, please throw them in our Twitch chat or YouTube chat if you've got them. We'll... We'll get to them. But if not, we will uh, start trying to wrap this thing up. Any sort of shit show thing you want to do with this being our first uh, regular season episode? Um, shit show. Hmm. Does Lou have a random city we want to dunk on? Oh, man. I'm trying to think. Uh, My... DB Lowry said, rank the New York area teams. Like in the NHL? I think in general. Or the Jets and the, the Giants. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't care about any New York team. You know what? I'll say this. Buffalo Bills number 1. <laughs> <laughs> what? They're in, they're in New York. Oh. He's saying, okay, he's saying NHL. Okay, okay, okay. Um
0: yeah. Oh, actually you want to hear this is a hot take I have. Let's let's stir the pot. Where's my where's my poster? Okay. I'll,
1: I'll I'll rank my New York area teams. I will do the Devils then first Rangers second Islanders third that's fine. I would have Rangers first. Um original
0: 6. Here's my here's my hot spicy wow, snob. Here's my hot and spicy take. Here is the take that gets me in trouble. Um actually I may have more than one. Um, you have you have a lot of takes that get you in if, trouble. Come if on. If if the LA Lakers had never moved to LA. They or let's okay let's just start with that. If the LA Lakers had never moved to LA. They would not have won a championship in the last twenty five years.
1: Salem, are you hearing this?
0: And the reason for that is because
1: they wouldn't have had Jerry Buss as their owner.
0: Players go to L. Players never ca- came to the Lakers because it's the Lakers. They came there because it's L. A. Remove the L. A. from the equation, and no rings. Shaq does not go to the Lakers certainly, um, and history is is written much differently. I, I, I oh, and th- and and this is my next point. This builds into my next point. Wait uh this what?
1: this this feeds into my no wait 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 okay. wait, wait, i i need to jump in really quickly why the fuck does that matter
0: because i am a norcal bay area sports fan and i
1: hate the lakers i hate most L- if not all no, LA sports but, teams but but why does whether they came for the lakers or came for la matter because what I'm what
0: I'm trying to say, I, th- I thought I said it, but I'll, I'll, I'll say it again. The reason that they get players that they get free agents is because of L.A., because of the fact yeah. that it's in L.A. If they're in Minnesota, Shaq doesn't want to go there. That's um, the
1: same thing with any
0: team. No. See, this is the thing. And the, and this is and this is what I'm getting
1: at. This builds into my the identity
0: of the team is the city they're in. No, but the, 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 the very... The the very fact that they're DB located. Lowry
1: wants to know what this has to do with New
0: York. Can I just build into my damn next point? So, no, because this is a very dumb point. I'll just say it: the 2022 Warriors NBA championship is worth more, is more impressive than all of the all of the Laker championships from the late 90s to mid 2000s combined. A, a drafted and developed team.
1: Kobe no, was drafted.
0: Okay, but then who else? Who else? Like, like, go down the list. It's all trades. It's all free agents because of LA. So the, what? The Warriors built a team. They built a dynasty. They trades did it, also. They did it unconventionally with the transcendent superstar who changed the game. There's just basically nothing to respect about the Lakers dynasty. There's everything to respect about the Warriors
1: dynasty. Just forget the two Kevin Durant years. This is so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> like you started this off with the absolute dumbest argument of all time. I don't think
0: it's that dumb. I think yes, it's the would, the, it, it, the, the, would, the,
1: would. the the fact that they're
0: located in LA has given them like like that has significantly materially affected their chances of success because players want to play in that specific city independent of the quality of the team. Uh,
1: the uh, Like this isn't a crazy take. Like guys want to no, play in the warm weather. Yes. But the point is, is that that's exactly what. Like, if you were to take the like the Montreal Canadiens and move them to Oklahoma City, teams would not, players would not care to play for them in the players same way that they cared to player, play for Montreal. Well, players don't care to play for
0: Montreal now. they or Toronto struggle. or Toronto. Well, yeah, Canada. I mean, taxes.
1: But this is exactly like this is
0: just a nonsense Look, opinion. I want to. I want to say this. And and I, I want to, people to understand this. Listen closely. Play it on play it on half speed if you have to. When I'm not talking about hockey, I reserve the right to have crazy takes that might not make sense that are completely biased. All right. E- yeah. End statement. Oh, I think I had another one. Uh, oh darn, it's escaping me. Oh yes. Um, Dodgers got exposed. That that did you see that that uh? That you head- are
1: just trying to piss off our listeners.
0: Did you see the headline
1: though that from the L.A. Times? Oh, about- so can, can I? Can I? I'll I'll talk about it really quickly because people ask me
0: about the Clippers. I'm ignoring that question. There
1: Dodging is a, it. <laughs> wow. Um. No, there is an interesting point of that right where it's the whole argument of do the playoffs and this is against uh, across all sports do the playoffs actually name the best team? Yes. No, winning winning when the chips are down matters. Don't don't give me that. Sorry, Dissolve, if I called you out as an OKC uh, Ducks fan, I didn't hear to do that. Here's the thing.
0: Um, Going back to the Dodgers, though, like, yes, they've been the best regular season team just by virtue of, you know, exploiting the system. No, no uh, actual valor of their own. No merit there. Um, But they've been the best regular season team. Who cares if you can't win in the playoffs? Like, if you're that good,
1: shouldn't you be able to win in the playoffs? Uh, Felix, I'm going to change the topic. I've got a question for you from Curtis. said, and yes, I'm uh, asking you this right now because I'm mad at you for these awful takes. Uh, (laughs) Thoughts on the orange jersey for the home opener. Rumors of a white Mighty Ducks reverse retro. Are the Ducks rebranding? I'm surprised we didn't talk about that. Are the Ducks rebranding for the 30th anniversary?
0: All I'll say is this. All I'll say is this, at risk of being silenced um, <laughs> I don't think it's an accident that they wore those jerseys in a high profile game. It's not an accident and I think well I, I also think that the reverse retros might not be the test run we think it is for an away jersey because they're going to be based on the Mighty Ducks jersey, the Mighty Ducks template, not the not the current alternates template.
1: Yeah, actually, I think they're gonna give a teaser tomorrow, and I think they're de- they're gonna release them. Well, on we already Thursday. know what it's gonna be. It's
0: gonna be the Mighty Ducks, the white Mighty Ducks with orange instead of the eggplant, or sorry, yeah. uh, jade instead of jade. Yes. Um. Yeah, but your thoughts on that reverse retro though?
1: Uh, I think it looks well, nice. We
0: just we just opened up a big old can of worms with those.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah Keep yeah. it I th- quick. I, I think it looks nice. I'm curious to see what the full looks look like. Looks like.
0: I think it's gonna be great. I mean, are they gonna I, do orange pants? That would ruin it. <laughs> this this that, that is that would very quickly ruin it. This Too is why I'm,
1: this is why I'm asking. I want to see the, the full. jersey
0: itself is great. Like yes. the jersey on its own is fantastic. If they wear orange pants, that is a lot of orange. Like like the sharks are doing the all teal thing, and that the, I guess that's becoming a trend. But I don't know if it works for oh, orange. DB
1: Lowry does say the pants weren't jade. He is correct. They were eggplant.
0: That's true but so, so i this, guess this black. is this is showbiz baby yeah. um i want to quickly touch on because you brought it up the habs reverse retro you didn't actually bring up the Habs you reverse retro what do you think of the baby blue the expos theme have you seen this because i don't know how to feel about it like i i literally go back and forth depending on like the weather depending it's on like, the, it's the way a, it's, wind's a, blowing.
1: it's a really good look okay it's a really good that. look, and when you're the Montreal Canadiens who have basically worn the same damn jersey for a hundred plus years, it's hard to do a reverse retro, and this is a nice way to go about it. Okay, okay.
0: Um, any other reverse retros that have stuck out to you? Uh, Islanders
1: going with the that whatever that jersey they was. botched it. It's they still bo- was, it's still no a good logo. It's no still a teal. good logo. Still a good logo. Um. I don't know. There's not any el- any other ones that are popping off the top of my head to me.
0: Uh, well, I do love that the the yeah. um, penguins are bringing back the Robo Penguin, their best logo, by the way. What no was the name of the guy asked. that has all the leaks? Ali Murji, Murji. Um, great follow, by the way. Like he's he's leaked every single one. Oh, the the
1: Lightning are bringing back their crazy, like lightning bolt jerseys. Oh yeah. The Maple Leafs one is bad. The Senators one. Oh, the Panthers one is very, very good. I'm not so sure. Oh, it I'm is. Not, I oh, just... it is. It's a great logo. <laughs> like flip
0: the flip the logos, and I think you you have it no. sold. That's a no. that's a shoulder logo. That's a shoulder patch.
1: It's 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 a reverse retro. Do something weird and wacky. And our logo is legitimately. We somewhat based it off of this. I just I don't know with the sticks going to the palm trees.
0: I also don't know if I love that color scheme for them. Like I don't know if I love the uh, the baby blue. It's it's not part of their original jerseys. Like it's it's a good look. Where's it coming from? It's a I, good look. I think the goat head buffalo jersey looks terrible in those. It colors. does.
1: The coyotes jersey is fantastic.
0: Mm, I'm all the way out on on their look. It's um, fan
1: fan fantastic.
0: The caps one I thought I'd be more excited for it, but I don't know. I mean, shark's good. Which one is the shark's one? The seals. Oh, kind of disappointed by that one. Oh, I like it. I just, they have no connection to that franchise. It's a problem. Any any thoughts on Pooh Bear? (laughs) Why do they call him Pooh Bear?
1: Jake is just leaking here. Yeah, you know, Um, dealing with a little bit of a cold here, so keep. I keep muting myself, so no. I think. I think my favorite non-Habs
0: jersey of these might actually be the Stars jersey. I just love that they're bringing back that look.
1: And the best Stars jersey is the one with the like star star bottom trim. Oh
0: my! My favorite non-Habs jersey might be the Canucks jersey with the Johnny Canuck logo. That is a great jersey, and also that. Man, that orange NHL logo—it's just such chef—it's just chef's kiss on all these jerseys. Adds such a nice little touch.
1: Have you seen this? Uh, yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm trying to find. Someone said a hardcore loot store said he asked three questions, didn't get discussed. I'm like, wait, oh. which, I'm I'm trying to find these questions real quick. Maybe they were earlier. And oh yeah, here it is. Uh, he asked us. Uh, we all discussed a few days ago. That this game was a benchmark game, getting outshot two to one and outscored two to one. What does that tell us about where the ducks are and who they will be?
0: Eh, I don't think you can set a benchmark on a tail end of a back to back, personally.
1: Yeah, and I think yeah, I think especially if you look at the way the game flow was, they fell off in that third period. Yeah, I I don't know. I
0: I just don't think we're in benchmark game territory quite yet. Let's let the team Man, I sound like a homer now. Let's let the team kind of get its feet underneath it, maybe ten games, and then we'll start thinking about benchmarks.
1: Damn, are you gonna start uh, being on Duckstream then? Wow, you're you're you're
0: you're really waiting. You, you waited to drop that in till the very end. I no, like
1: I. It, it was a joke about being a homer. You know, that's what happens. Though.
0: Oh, got it, got it.
1: Should I start referring to the Ducks as we? Yes. Okay.
0: Well, on that note. Should probably head out of here. It's yeah, we're almost an hour and a half into this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, thank you everybody for listening. This has been a lot of fun. It's good to be back. It's good to be talking about games. It's good to be talking about actual hockey as opposed to, you know, speculation, moves, what have you. It's it's nice. Fresh yeah, topics we, are nice. We
1: we actually got a breakdown gameplay.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: It's it's it's
0: enjoyable. Yeah. But on that note, if you want to help us keep this thing going and, uh, you know, help help Jake be able to buy. A Kleenex, maybe, uh, you know, whatever kind of medicine could help his, his cold. There's a few easy ways to do that. Uh, check out our Patreon. That is the number one way to support us. Patreon.com slash Crash the Pond. For $1 a month, $1, you get access to our patrons-only Discord server, which honestly is probably one of the better dollars you'll spend uh, if you're a hardcore Ducks fan, because you get access to this really fun community where people are, just all day, every day talking about the Ducks in there. Uh, having a lot of fun doing it. Very respectful. Um, but there's also different channels talking about food, talk about other sports, wrestling, gaming, pop culture. It's the best place to be. I am probably on there a little too much these days. But that goes to show how great it is. Uh, that's for $1 a month. For $5 a month, uh, you get access to uh, two bonus episodes where we talk about whether it's league-wide topics. We'll do rankings. Uh, we might do a a reverse retro ranking soon i think that might be an order Ooh, who, who knows we do
1: We do need to get two more pa- two patreons in this month though maybe that's this weekend
0: yeah i think we kind of have to yes yeah <laughs> um but yeah so that's um that's all at patreon.com slash crash the pond check that out uh if you don't want to pledge any money a month that's that's totally fine uh you can still support us at zero cost Check out our check us out on Apple Podcasts. Uh, search crash the pond and leave a rating just takes a couple seconds uh, and leave us a review if you have a little more time uh, those go a long way on uh, helping us climb up those rankings and uh, we'll read it on the show so try to work in those inside jokes uh, we love to hear from you guys those are honestly the best uh, we're also on Spotify wherever you get your podcasts like Jake has already talked about we're on YouTube uh, we stream live on Twitch every Monday at 8pm now Pacific we'll be streaming Standard live time. on YouTube also Yep. So check that out. Um, check out our website, crashthepond.com. Uh, if you're trying to gear up for the season, we've got t-shirts there, hoodies, uh, stickers, and we've got some coffee mugs, which I might invest in. Who knows? Uh, that's at crashthepond.com slash shop. Check us out on Twitter as well and on Facebook. Uh, Jake is on Twitter at reindeergames91. I'm on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard and at a, at a nice... 9:38 p.m. That will do it for us tonight guys. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Let's fly. Bye.